There are two momentous things about this episode. Do you know what they are? No. One, you're no longer 11. You're 12 now. Second thing, it's been a year since we've been podcasting. And so this is our uh, year anniversary episode. Wait, it is? It sure is. So um, sit back and listen to us review Oath on our anniversary edition of Board with Family Games. Welcome to Board with Family Games. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm your host, Oscar. And every month we come to you with a review of a board game that we love to play as a family so that you can play it with your friends and family. For more information about the game we review today, as well as any other games we've reviewed in the past, please visit our website. BoardWithFamilyGames.com. That's B-O-A-R-D with FamilyGames.com. You can also visit us at Facebook interact with us there twitter and of course we would love for you to follow us on spotify or apple music podcasts wherever you are getting your podcasts so oscar tell us a little bit about the game we're playing today today oath by later games well oath is a game where you build yourself up and try to either usurp the throne or keep it okay so it's uh, all about either be having power or taking power. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's a great game that we've loved to play. And so um, sit back, listen to a word from our sponsor, and we'll come back to tell you about Oath by Later Games. We would love for you to sponsor us. So if you're interested in board games, please sponsor us. And we'll be trying to probably sell some board games for anyone who's interested in them, and just contact us at our website, Board with Family Games. That's B O A R D with Family And just contact us and. Sponsorships would include an ad spot right here on our pod- podcast every week. We'd love to have you join us. Both is all about power, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about how this game or what the purpose and the goal of this game are in a little bit more depth. Well, if you're the chancellor, you want to stay the high chancellor and keep ruling your kingdom, but you're more likely to be an exile or citizen. And you try to take the high chancellor's power by doing things like visions, usurping the throne or even becoming their successor. Okay. So it's, Kind of a political intrigue game in many ways where you're one of these three roles. One person's a high chancellor and then everybody else is either going to be an exile or a citizen. And these three roles play a little bit differently. So if you're the high chancellor, you're trying to keep on or keep your uh, power. power. And then if you're trying or an exile or a citizen, you are trying to take over and be the next high chancellor. Mm-hmm. Um this game is for one to six players. We have, um, you know, as we always say on this podcast, we play it with three regularly. So um, that's a thing we are often doing. And there's a lot of engine building aspects in this game where you're putting down cards and you're trying to build up combinations of things so that you can achieve your goal. But as Oscar said, 
there's a lot of different ways you can win. Can you kind of just describe a little bit more quickly what those ways are? So if you're the chancellor, you're the oath keeper. And you basically have to keep fulfilling your oath keeper condition. Okay, so every, or that, you know, this game's called Oath. And so there's these different oaths that you start the game with. And that's what you have to do. That tells you what your win condition is. You need to keep that. And as long as you keep that, what happens? Um, you may win the game. Okay, so there's a um, timed aspect. It, Chancellor starts, feels kind of powerful, feels like um, you know they've got some advantages because they just have to keep the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, what about the other players? How can they If you're a win? citizen, you have to take do the specified successor condition, so like maybe have the oh, maybe have the people's favor. And if you're exile, you need to fulfill a vision or usurp the throne. Okay, so um, you the, these different ways. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can win. You know, as we're saying, you know, usurping and oath keeping and all these things. It's all um, kind of laid out for you. And there's different versions of it depending on where you are. Um, this game, or let's talk a little bit about oath and oath keeper, since that's such a crucial aspect of it. So as the High Chancellor, as you start, you are the Oath Keeper. So what does that mean? Um, you get an extra defense die when you're attacked. And it means that later in the game, if you keep that Oath, you can roll your little purple die and you might win early game from getting a high number. Okay, so give us an example of what an Oath might be that you have to try to keep. Um, Oath of the Darkest Secret. You have to have the Darkest Secret... To win the game. Okay. So Darkest Secret, Secret, uh, Darkest Secret is a tile. It's something you hang on to. You start the game with it as the High Chancellor. But of course, other people can take it away. And so what happens if somebody takes away and bec- or is and you're no longer keeping that oath? You're not meeting the condition. They become the Oath Keeper. If they keep it long enough, they may even become the Usurper. Okay. So if you get... So, you know, one basic way this is working is you're... Or you're Opponents, if you're the high chancellor, are going to want to take that oath if they can take it from you. If they can um, become the oath keeper, that they're going to be on their way to victory. So, as oath keeper, your job is to keep a hold of that. All right. Now, the nature of this game is a little bit interesting. It's kind of um, like a campaign light game. What's a campaign game, Oscar? Um, it's a game where what you do beforehand will affect what you do. Later, and you're going over like multiple rounds, getting stronger. Normally, it's actually cooperative, but this one's competitive. Okay, so we played a um, game on and reviewed it here a few episodes back, near and far. It was a campaign over multiple games. This is a little different in that each individual game is its own thing, but all the choices that you make in the way the game ends dramatically changes the starting board the next time, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, whoever ends up being the High Chancellor, that'll set some things up. We'll talk a little bit about how that can work down the road. But what's cool about it is it means that this game is ever-evolving. You can start, you know, when you're finishing up a game, you're not only thinking about how you're going to be able to win. You're also thinking, can I set myself up to be effective in a future game? Yeah, and sometimes you might just play the long game and forfeit forfeit your chance to win this game by making it harder for the winner to win next game. Yeah, especially at the end, you know, if you if it doesn't look like you have a path to victory, you just try to um, weaken them for your opponent for the future. Yeah. All right. 
So um, talk a little bit about the look and the feel of the game and some of the components. Well, it's actually a very unique style of art. It's strong and it's kind of cartoonish, but it's not funny cartoonish. It's a serious kind of cartoon. So the artist is Kyle Farron. Um, he did other later games like Root and Fort. It's very distinctive. You kind of look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I recognize mm-hmm. this, don't you? So it, yeah. sta- it stands out. It's a really great, fun um, fun style of game. What about some of the parts in this? What, do you, what, what are some of the things you'll be dealing with? Well, the board is actually this mat. And I just kind of find that cool. You don't see that often. Okay, so it's not a cardboard um, board. board. No. It's a roll-up um, mat. My, or neoprene mat, mat. So it's really great for having cards on. It's easy to pull them off. It's a real nice um, feature. Tell us about how the board works in the different regions. Well, you've got the cradle, the provinces, and the hinterland. The cradle movement there is the cheapest and it's only, but it's only got two sites. Okay, so it's kind of laid out left to right with these three different regions. And then, you know, if I'm just looking at the board like I am right now, there's just two squares on it. What do those what What do those squares mean? Um, those are where sites can go. Okay, so what's a site? Um, it's a card that is basically where you can be, and like you can put your followers there. You can put like p- buildings and peoples there. Okay, so. You have in this area, you're going to have these cards down. And so those are going to be your locations in the game. Mm-hmm. And they have they can have some different abilities. They might have a relic there, um, so that which is just a, basically like an item. They might um, give you some money or secrets, um, different things. And, are, and they might have different features and um, abilities that you can use at each site, right? Yeah. Okay. So you got that, and then keep going. Um, in the provinces, you get three sites, and it's two supply to move anywhere, and that's what you use to take your actions. Okay. And then the hinterlands are just way out in the... Yeah, they're just like way out, way away from where the chancellor starts. And it's super expensive to move in there unless you move to the provinces. Okay. Um, and then each region has its own discard pile, right? Mm-hmm. So as you have cards, they'll end up um, laying in your discard in these discard piles. But you can search them at a later point. Yeah. Um, what's this little sundial thing in the lower left hand corner? Um, it tracks around the game, and once you get through it far enough, you can roll. The chancellor, if they're still the oath keeper, can roll a die to see if they win the game. Okay, so again, if, you know, we said if you're the chancellor or high chancellor and you keep a hold of it, after five turns, you're going to roll a die, and if you get a six, you instantly win game over. And then it's five and three, and then you just win. Okay, so there's a that kind of a timed aspect to this game. A total of eight rounds that could possibly happen, um, and then. There's a there's a world deck that's sitting down there, a relic deck in case you need to pull from that. We'll, um, and that we'll talk more about the cards in a little bit. Then what's the little banks? Um, those are where you can put favor, and you it's nearly impossible to get favor that you don't start with on the board somewhere. And you can like you can get them from taking actions okay. and playing cards. All right, so. There's a, six different suits. We'll talk a little bit about that later. And they each have some of this favor, which is a little coin in it. And um, that's your entire bank for the yeah. co- or area or the entire game. If, it, if you get rid of favor and destroy it, it's, it's gone. gone. Tell us about the other components. 
Um, you get these little wooden tiles that are kind of you and your supporters. Okay, so little wooden um, pieces, yep. Yeah, um, you've got plenty of cards, a kind of character board that is you and has your hand by it mm-hmm. and can show your vision. Yep. So there's five or six different characters total, but um, unlike some other games, the different are the different characters, do they have different powers or strengths? No. They're, all the exiles are the exact same, though the chancellor is a bit different. Okay. And so, so it's a little asymmetrical in that there are some differences, but in the end, it's not wildly asymmetrical. You're not having, you, if you decide to pick the black board versus the orange board. Unless the orange board's a citizen, the black board's yeah. an exile. Yeah. And so t- tell us about that. The both. So there's two sides to the board, right? Yeah. There's the exile side, and then you flip in, there's a citizen side. The citizen side doesn't have the little vision slot and says citizen is purple. And your character looks a little more fashionable than your ex- than the exile side. But the exile side, you can get a vision. You can become the usurper. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit more about these different roles and why you might want to do those things down the way. Um, tell us about what else. Tell us about some of the cards. Especially talk about the suits to the cards because it's kind of a neat feature. Well... There's cards, some have to go on a site, some in your hand, and they have like five, six different suits. There's Hearth, Discord, Magic, Order, um, Beast. Yeah. And you'll easily be able to pick the different suits out because they have a different um, well, symbol. symbol and color. Yeah, and some will like help you in fights, others you can like spend stuff to get stuff. Yeah. Okay, so look... To- Talk about the cards you have in front of us and it's kind of explain what you're seeing there. I have, Well, I have the Wayside Inn and the Rusting Ray. The Wayside Inn can only go at my site. So I would play it, get a coin from the Hearth Bank, and then I could use it by paying one favor to gain two supply. Okay, so, you know, real quick, just talking through what you're saying here. If your pawn's at that site, so that's a card on the board, you can put down... Up to three of these sites. Yeah. So this one goes card goes at your site, so it makes it a little bit stronger. And as you said, you can put you get a coin, then you can put a coin down and get um, to supply, which is your move, basically your movement points, right? Yeah. All right. And then I have the resting ray. It's arcane, and I could either put it at my site or in my hand called my advisors. And then if I held the darkest secret, I could pay one. Um, secret to ignore enemy rolls of hollow swords, which is not all that uncommon. Okay. So that guy is the battle aspect that we can talk about in a moment. So you have these cards. They either go, you mentioned advisors. So you can either play them to the board or... Into your advisors. Okay. And how many advisors can you have? Three. All right. You don't have a hand though, right? No. So your advisors are basically your hand. Yeah. And so they can either be face up or face down so you can hide them and spring them on everybody in the future. Or you can lay them face up so that you can use their abilities right then and there. Mm -hmm. All right. And then finally, there's relics and banners. What are those? Um, Those are things that you can take and they give you special abilities. So like you could be able to get supplies, supply or maybe it'll cost less supply to do something. All right, so those are going to be um, things. And again, you know, we mentioned at the beginning the Oath of the Darkest Secret. You got that. You need that um, banner 
Yeah, and there's the yeah, there's multiple wind conditions that require banners and or relics. Okay, so these are just things that give you some other abilities. Diversity-wise, this game does a good job. There's a lot of different people. There are lots of different colors, including green and orange and yellow, you know, yellow just any um, all sorts of different colors, but good representation, male, female. Um, and we love, you know, just love to see the wide range of, um, people and characters in this game. Um, talk quickly about setting up. How long does it take to get, set this thing up? Oh, it's quick. You, cause when you put it away, you basically set it up for the next game. Okay. So it's fast to set up. You pull it out, you got it going in, a, um, pretty quickly, but. It takes a long time to put away. Yeah, it right? took like 30 minutes to an hour. Okay, because when you're putting this game away, you're looking at the win conditions and you're setting up that next game. You'll have different sites out there. You're going to have a new world deck, all sorts of things that get changed as you are putting the game away. All right. What about, um, talk a little bit more about building that chronicle. What sort of things shift when a game ends and how does that play into the next round. Well, you lose some cards from your enemies' advisors in the discard pile, and they go into the dispossessed, which won't be used until you run out of cards, and then there's a mechanism that shuffles them back in. All right, so in the box, it should just kind of lay out, you know, we, we keep talking about this deck. We also have a little folding or um, filing system that comes with the game that keeps these different suits separate, and depending on how the game ends, you'll have more of one suit in the are in the game, right? Yeah. Okay, so right now we have a, a lot of hearth. A lot of hearth, a lot of beast and not a lot of anything else because that's just how our games have played because depending on what you who the winner is and what they were using, that will influence how many of those types of cards are in that game the next time around. Yeah, we have some nomad though. Yeah, we have we have some other things, but it's just uh mostly those two. And then what's happening is these cards are getting sucked out of the um kind of getting thrown into this dispossessed area. So you don't know what's in the deck round to round. In fact, we're having a hard time as we were trying to set up to do this podcast because there's a lot of secret stuff out there. We don't want to know what we might have or what new cards that we might get in a future game. And so we had to be kind of careful with what we were pulling out to look at so yeah. that we could talk effectively. So it's just neat because you don't, everything's going to be a little different every time around based on how the game ends. Mm-hmm. Um, let's quickly talk through a turn, Oscar. To, um, you know, let's talk through a turn and what you can generally do and go through the actions. Well, first you have the wake phase. So it allows you to win as a usurper or visionary and allows you to flip your Oathkeeper to your Okay, to so, so some of the win conditions just say if you hit this win condition or if you start your turn... With this win condition, you win. win. Okay. Then you've got your act phase and then you spend supply to take cards from the world deck or discard piles and play them to, into your advisors or sides. Okay, so we just ta- we, we've, we've mentioned the supply a lot. Talk about what supply looks like. Um, it's a little track you have, and you spend you spend supply to do your actions. Okay, so it's basically just a form of currency. You have um, up to was it nine supply? Uh, yeah, or am I, I think, miscounting that eight supply? Yeah. Um, and you means that you can use up to eight of those in a turn, and then it refreshes at the end of your turn. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can muster, which you would pay one favor to gain two warbands, which are your supporters who fight for you and hold your 
Sight. Okay, so you know we've mentioned these coins that favor you use it, and then you know there is a fighting aspect to this. Whether you're using those war bands to fight or hold a location, they're um, an important part of the, the game. game. Um, you can trade where you would spend one secret to gain one favor plus one per matching advisor, or you can spend two favor to gain one um, secret per matching advisor. But you don't lose secrets. Well, you do, but... Okay, let's talk through secrets and um, favor real quick. So favor are these coins. Yeah, and secrets are these little books. Okay, so they're, um, again, two basically forms of currency. How does uh, the favor, when you spend it, what happens to Um, it? It goes into the matching favor bank, but the secrets will come back to you at the end of your turn. Okay, so secrets are a little more... Permanent. Permanent. And unlike the favor, there's not a limited supply of them in the game. You can have tons of secrets if you want. Because, again, this is a game about political intrigue. So, of course, there's secrets. And those um, can help you do things. Yeah, we've had secret wars before. Yeah. Um, You could recover. So you would pay a cost to recover a relic at your site or one of the banners. Okay. So each relic... When um, you know the, which are the items at the spaces, they have a condition for taking them, and mm-hmm. so it, it's so like you might certain. burn some suppliers, some I mean some favor, some secrets, or put it into the favor okay. bank or whatever. And so, just a real quick thing, you said burn. So sometimes you, you just mo- get rid of it for the rest of the game. Yep. So it goes in the um, goes back in the box um, if it's burned. If it's spend you just put it down and it stays in the game somewhere um so but that's how you can get those things so that costs supply then what um you can campaign where that's when you fight to take banners relics sites kill people i will say that the or the or the campaigning is incredibly complicated in this game it's a neat way of doing it, but it's really tricky. We're not going to walk you through it because no. we, we still pull out the re- reference guide when we're um, yes. going to fight because it's, yes. it's helpful. But what's cool about it is you're not, it's not just a thing of, you know, let's build up the biggest army and go smash the other person. That can happen. But a lot of the times you're, um, you can, do a smaller campaign just to try to get something limited. Like you can take a banner from somebody or you can take a um, relic from them or, or just take want... a key side or something. Yeah. So you can do these. Uh, it doesn't, it's not always this grand, let's just build up all the um, soldiers People and then go attack and just wipe, take every side and banner and whatever. Now it's, it's a lot more selective and depending on the wind condition, you might have games where you do a whole lot of campaigning or you might have somewhere you do very minimal campaigning depending on how, the game's working out. All right, and then what's the last thing? Um, you can travel where you spend supply and you move from site to site. Okay. So that's what we've got. The Chancellor and the Citizen, what's the difference between these three in turn? Well, the Citizens can't really win from Vision or Usurper in their wake phase. Okay. Um, that... That's about the only difference between the citizen and the exile. But the chancellor and the exile, the chancellor can get these double-edged swords from gang citizens. Okay, so let, let's let's be, not worry about that piece as much because it's that's really complicated. But what you do have, how do the war bands work between a citizen and a chancellor? Um, the chancellor has more war bands, and the more war bands you have out on the board somewhere. 
the fewer supplies supply you gain, and the chancellor is more likely to get fewer supplies and have shorter turns because okay. they have so they need more bands. But what about you know you've got the blackboard in front of you. Mm-hmm. If you are a citizen as the black character, where are your black warband pieces? Um, in your bag because if you're a citizen, you use imperial. Were bands, not your own. Okay, so that's why the Chancellor has so many, because as um, citizen, you're actually part of... The Chancellor. Yeah, you're part of the Empire, and so it limits your um, ability to... Um, you're not as in, you're not as independent. You have to ask permission to move war bands around. You have to ask permission to do certain things. Yeah. But you have a different win condition. In fact, last game we played, Oscar's mother won as a citizen um, because she was able to finagle her way there. Yeah, it's a very common way to win mm-hmm. with us. All right, so how do you? How about being um, a citizen versus an exile? How does that happen? Um, you, can, you could either ask the chancellor to become a citizen and they, kind of, they give you a relic and whatever mm-hmm. and you agree to start helping them. Or the chancellor offers it to you and you accept. Okay. So you can, this can shift throughout the game. You can, a citizen can be exiled in the middle of a game. It all depends on what the path to victory is for each player and what they want to do. And if they see a site, when um, Oscar's mother became citizen, it was because I was about to win. Mm -hmm. And so Oscar offered her citizenship because that gave her both a bunch of like power, a bunch of power and a path to victory. Whereas, and it, he, at that moment they were both about to lose. So it worked out. It, it, it's a, it's a fun thing where you have to kind of figure out the path for you. Um, exiles have a lot more ways of winning because they have these visions. You declare a vision when you um, draw the right card and then it has a, its own win condition. So, there's just lots of different ways to win the game and you're trying to figure out what makes the most sense and what's going to be the right path for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, this is a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, you know, I, if you're listening to this right now and saying, wow, that sounds neat, but I'm confused. That's okay. There's, there's a, this is a, this game's a little bit to learn. It takes a lot, but we found it really worth it. We've really enjoyed it, haven't we? Mm-hmm. All right. So, yes, it is extremely complex. Things are going to shift every game. But what about family strife and frustration, Oscar? Um, There can be some if, like, they do what you wanted to do or, like, they take the vision you wanted. Yeah. But there's not – that's – it varies game to game. Sometimes it's very strifeful. Sometimes none at all. Yeah. So, you know, as I said, the last game I was about to win – the two of them came up, uh, up with a plan to take me down, but of course they did. You know, I wasn't upset about that. Of course they were going to try to do everything they could. They succeeded, and then you know that was that. I I was um, done. I was done, and so I was at that point. As we said, I was working towards future games because my path to victory was closed. Yeah. Um, we as we said, we played this with three players. It plays really well. There are um, mechanical clockwork players called the Clockwork Prince. We have not tried that yet, but are looking forward to it. Um, it probably played pretty differently with six players, but I think it could be a lot of fun having all those um, pawns running around the board and everybody vying for power. power. So I hope that we can come up with a group to play this with 
more players at a future point. But if you have a smaller number, it plays really well. It's just a different style of game. It's a lot of fun. Um, for storage and protection, of course, we sleeved it. It's a great set setup. It has um, it, it comes with a lot of stuff that's set up for you to store your game right off the bat. Everything fits nicely in the box. It's a really well done when it comes to storage. You'll have to buy special sleeves because they're rarely shaped cards, but that's it. That's true. Um, you can buy. We, we bought the premium Oath sleeve pack that are designed for Oath, but you can find other sleeves um, that are not that don't have the same stuff on them, but are the right size. So that's a lot. Overall, Oscar, what do you think? Should people play O's? Definitely. Yes, it is a complicated game. If you are up for a game that has a lot of intrigue and complication, it's going to take a little while to learn. This is a game for you, but and it's going to pay off long term. Thank you for listening to our review of Oath by Later Games. For more information about Oath and any of the games we've reviewed on Board with Family Games, visit our website, boardwithfamilygames.com, S-B-O-A-R-D with familygames.com. And again, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and then, of course, um, subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us. So um, thank you so much for joining us for our anniversary episode, and we look forward to playing games with you for another year and into the future. Yeah. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm your host, Oscar. Bye.